Hey, Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans. This is chapter 168 of Rule the Galaxy podcast. Right now, once again, you are hearing Dave, a.k.a. D-Doc, in the pilot seat for Rule of the Galaxy podcast. And uh, it is a new week and a new episode of Andor. I'm joined uh, by Brent and Alfie here. Brent, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing fantastic trying to escape the, uh, the stress in the real world and talk the wars. Uh, I do want to talk about another podcast real quick in this part of this intro. Uh, a friend turned me on to a, a podcast called Shat the Movies. So Shat the Movies is they sit and they talk about movies and uh, all from like the 90s, 70s, a couple 70s, but it's 80s and 90s, maybe early 2000s. And they rate them by the number of wipes. So it's a zero wipe movie if it's like a perfect movie. And five is the number of wipes you need to do to get the chat off of, off of you after watching it. So I was scrolling through and I found Empire Strikes Back. And they did about a half hour review and just talked about their feelings and kind of like what we did when we did the Empire. And uh, I think they came to an average score of three guys of 0.75 wipes. And at the time when they did that, that put us in like the top 10 of all of their movies, but it is very entertaining. It's not safe for work. So the language is a little rough, um, but shat the movies. If, if you're a movie fan of the seventies, eighties and nineties, um, it's well worth it. And they do everything. Uh, I listened to a platoon one. I listened to one on uh, event horizon um, they have like a cannonball wow, event horizon. Oh yeah. That's they, kind of an obscure one. Yeah. And well, they have cannonball run and Smokey and the bandit. I mean, so if you're a listener to it, you can commission them to do a review. Anyway, I'm going too long, but this idea was because it was tied into the star Wars. They had empire strikes back and, uh, gave it like a 0.75 wipes. Yeah. So, so that's almost a clean sweep then. You, it you is know, almost, you're almost a clean not seeing anything. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Alfie, what's going on with you tonight? Not much, man. Uh, excited to talk about this episode of Andor. You know, uh, got my notes. You got your notes. Uh, just can't wait to get into it. You know, th- this episode is kind of like, uh, you know, we're going to wear our Sunday best and hand- head over to grandma's house for some ham and cheesy <laughs> potatoes for a nice Easter Sunday. Maybe you're not saying you're, you're not saying there's Easter eggs in this show. I thought oh, they said there's not going to be any Easter that. eggs. Yeah, no, there's no there's no fan service. They didn't say anything about Easter eggs. He no did fan say he said he doesn't care about Easter eggs. OK, he right. He didn't put them in on purpose. Like, I mean, he like uh, there. There can't be this many without it being on purpose. Now, did he specifically <laughs> say I want this from a 1983 RPG to show up. No, but I would imagine it went, hey, I got this. Can you give me something in like two paragraph backstory to make it fit? I love it. I love it. So that's why I was, there were scenes in this week's episode of Andor that I was watching that I was like, I know that Alfie is soaking this stuff up and I don't have a damn clue what some of this stuff is. I'm going to have to go to Twitter. (laughs) Hey, language mister oh i'm sorry sorry we're not on after dark anymore it's not after dark this isn't after dark (laughs) this is regular rule of the galaxy yeah so i mean there's one scene that i know for sure alfie was in love with and i'm gonna call it the marvel collector scene 
Yeah. And I guarantee there were freeze frames of every second of that scene with all of those artifacts. They all have, and I know they all have some connection somewhere. Like, so anyways. I didn't, you know, I can't go through every single one because not all of them stick out. Some things looked like something to me. And then after comparison, I didn't quite think it was close enough, but yeah, that was a, that's a busy scene. It was. So let's get digging into this episode. I mean, again, I won't go scene by scene, but, uh, you know, this week in Andor, we got to see some new locations. We got to see some more interior of ships. We got to see some Imperial uniforms and council rooms. And I think some, I think they might've even had, uh, Imperial Yeti uh, cups that they were drinking out of. I'm not sure about that. What's up, Yeti? If you want to sponsor Rule the Galaxy podcast, you know, Star Wars, whatever. But um, yeah, wh- wh- why don't you guys go into what your favorite parts of uh, this episode were? Start it off, Brent. Go ahead. Hands down. And I'm playing it in the background right now. So just let you know, it's, it's kind of rolling in the background. And we are right to where my favorite thing that happened. When Cassian and Homegirl are walking back to the camp, he hears the TIE fighter in the background and that TIE fighter flying over the top of them was, I'm getting chills talking to you about it. It's about to happen. And I might turn the volume on so everyone can hear it. That is like every, it should be every star Wars fans, like dream to see, like put myself in Andor's spot in that situation. One, the scenery is beautiful. The hike is beautiful. And two, having that TIE fire fly right over the top of your head. Oh. Seriously, go ahead, Alfie. I okay, know what this, you're saying, though, Brent. this scene right here, I agree with you, Brent, because this blew me away. And I hate, I know we're beating a dead horse here, but it, they're too close in time to not be compared to each other. But to me, it was absolutely amazing that Cassian and this girl could be walking through the, you know, the highlands here. They even refer to them as the highlands in the show. And there's nothing Star Wars in this. Uh, I think everybody just froze up. We so good? You're good. Okay. All right. Yeah, there's nothing Star Wars in here before the TIE Fighters. But it still feels more like an actual place that doesn't exist on earth it feels like a star wars world and they they did they didn't have to put you know a a ship somewhere with some stormtroopers and some boxes to let you know you're on a different world they're just walking through the highlands of scotland and it totally is believable that they're you know on this planet yep the show has you in that scene the show has you lost in the dialogue lost in the mission that's going to be happening, paying attention to this new character that Andor is talking to. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, holy shit, this is still Star Wars when you see these TIE fighters come flying by and like the intimidation factor. Because I think the way the sound is, is it starts off like a little bit slow Mm -hmm. and they look at each other and they're like, they're like, oh my God, we need to hide right now. I mean, that, that was a great call out, Brent. That scene was awesome. It was, it's probably my favorite scene of the entire show. I don't, it's just because like I've seen a flyby a couple times. The first time I saw a flyover with like F-16s, I was a senior in high school. I was parking cars at IU. I had no idea it was going to happen. And I was looking up in the stands and I felt like these F-16s were about a hundred feet off the ground, like coming over the treetops. 
I couldn't talk. I had to, I was punching the guy that was parking cars because he was had his back turned. I was punching him because I couldn't say anything. And then they went over the top of me, and it was the coolest thing ever because of how co- how close I felt they were. So put myself in that Andor situation. Just if that was a Tie Fighter over the top of me, uh, that that would be my Star Wars wet dream. I saw the <laughs> uh, the Batwing stealth bomber at the five hundred. And yeah, it was just like, it's like this massive thing just dropped out of the sky on top of the racetrack. And everyone, I remember walking in, you know, and everyone on the street is just looking up at this thing. Like, is it, you know, how is it staying up there? Is it just going to keep <laughs> falling down? Now, another thing too, is if I'm not mistaken, I've only watched the episode once. I really wanted to watch this one, two times because there was a lot in it, but did the episode start inside um, our new, uh, yeah. you know, different style Millennium Falcon, uh, basically? Yeah. yeah. And so when you said that there wasn't much Star Wars, Alfie, what I what I didn't place it. You were saying in the environment, it didn't feel like Star right. Wars. Yeah. Gotcha. Because when you said there wasn't much Star Wars, the first scene, you're in the middle of that cockpit and it looks. Uh, no, I just the, meant on that planet. Okay. Tracking through the, the hills there. Yeah, because Skarsgård's playing all of the side electronics is all circa 77 New Hope. Everything looks like it's right in that time frame and that era of the original Star Wars. Did you catch his little uh, conversation about the ship that uh, Cassian and him had? That it should not have have a hyperdrive. He said he's been in one, he's flown one before. There's no way that this ship should have a hyperdrive. So that kind of goes, plays to Luthen's character of maybe how he's able to sneak around so well because his ship shouldn't be able to fly from planet to planet. And his hyperdrive sounded freaking awesome when he hit that. It kind of had like a little bit of a delay when he hit it. It was like kind of like, and took off. Like that was awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, we we got to learn a little bit more about that ship and everything, and then we were introduced to some new Imperial officers in our meeting room and everything. Yeah, this and was my favorite shot of the show. My, oh my favorite God. sequence. I'm a sucker for the Imperials. Yeah, <laughs> that's during that scene. I was just like, I need to put on, I need to put uh, closed captioning on and watch this again because honestly, it was hard for me to followed the conversation they were having sometimes because it was so like planetary based, like just like, I don't know. It was hitting, it was hitting hard. Part of me wanted to rewind it and watch it again right during that scene. But uh, you know, I thought that was excellent just to see this meeting room and see that like, what, what was the name of, did they say the name of that base that they were in? Because the design of it looks awesome. Uh, it's the ISB. So it's the Imperial, um, security bureau okay so it was so the imperial security bureau it was what came up on the screen in that you're talking about like the angled mirrored angled like pyramid type building yeah yeah it's like the dunder mifflin sign out of you know outside of their building but i mean i i shared a post to you guys today that was showing some of the locations they've used to shoot this at where i'm like how much freaking scouting did they do to find these unique buildings that they filmed in? I mean, there was a lot of real locations in this episode where it's just like, oh yeah, that's where they display F1 cars. 
oh yeah, that's this building over in uh, London or whatever, you know, where like a lot of the stuff in this episode was not just CGI, which I do have in my notes. National Geographic has a show coming up on Disney Plus that will be going into how much scouting they did for the locations for this show. I just saw that trailer right before we started tonight. So uh, what do you guys think of our uh, Imperial officers? Go ahead, Alfie. Uh, just to expand on what you're talking about during their conversation, they mentioned Ryloth and then yeah, heard that, that mining has resumed on Arvala six, which really doesn't have any meaning except for the fact that Arvala seven is where Mando finds Grogu being held uh, in the first episode of the Mandalorian. They also mentioned, one officer mentions that they've noticed an increase in construction shipments to Scarif, which... Yeah, uh, I got a kick out of that one. It would be like four years prior to this, the Death Star was moved to Scarif from uh, Geonosis. And then in the second scene, he tells her that he's impressed with her detention numbers from Sev Tok, which is planet from the Darth Plagueis novel. So, and then you miss the fact that Andor, I don't know if that happened already or not, timeline. Andor said, Andor, Cassie Nander said that he fought in Minbin. Right. He hasn't gotten to that yet. Damn it. I I thought I would, I, I thought it was in the first interactions on the on the uh it was on the scars. We, okay. we skipped to the imperial part i got you but if you go back timeline wise they dropped right. the minbin that was the first right. one was the solo the reference to so the solo movie well minbin is actually in the original uh star killer script from 1977 it's in splinter of the mind's eye it was mentioned in clone wars it was almost used for jetta in rogue one and then yes the war in solo was on Mimbum. and that was kind of an interesting little uh thing he said about they ended up they found they that they were fighting themselves i thought that was kind of interesting but if you go back to the clone war series they the Mimbanese liberation army uh was aided by the clones during the clone wars so i guess if they were fighting the leftovers from them the they were essentially fight, fighting somebody that they had once funded and armed. Interesting. And he also said, you weren't fighting, you were a cook. Or something along those lines, right? <laughs> Which, if you go back to our last episode when we talked about this, I mentioned that I thought that Luthen what, had a lot of knowledge about Cassian and that the whole thing with the Star Navigator deal was just a setup to get to Cassian. Well, I think that we find out because to go right back to the scene that we're talking about, it probably was a setup because we find out that the device was actually left behind in that all of that commotion. They never actually because I thought right. I thought Cassian went back to grab it and I never actually paid attention to see if he did or not. No. However, however, obviously he didn't because they recovered it in the uh, and they used it in the data processing or whatever in the data logs, which the girl wants to get. Yep. And uh, I think I think the engines like just started swinging like a little too fast because I did watch episode three on Wednesday when Tuesday night. Um, and yeah, I, I was like, did he get that? And and yep. Second time watching it, he just had to bail on it and get out of there. Um, but I love the fact that, you know, that storytelling wise, 
that box easily could have been left behind and just been something else. And now that box is turning into another unfolding story with this female Imperial right. officer. I think her name is Deidre or something. Yeah, she knows where it was stolen from. And then that leads to this all being back into her jurisdiction because of the planet it was stolen from. And Go she's picking up on the fact that it's a pattern. That right. it's not yeah. she's picking up on the fact that there is rebel like she's she hasn't quite called it a rebel cell because she doesn't know exactly what's going on she just has this gut feeling that there is this rebel there are rebel cells there is right. a pattern um it may you, be all cassian it may be like all of the pattern may be all cassian or it could be other rebels but there is I a pattern to the behavior take it that it's all cassian but he's selling to the same person so you would think that the stuff that he is stealing would be pretty similar and he, you know, he explained the way he does it. He just dresses up as an Imperial, walks in and takes it. So, you know, you know, that's kind of the MO of a burglar. That's what, you know, a detective would look for is the way that they exactly. do it. Exactly. And that's what I think we can already tell now four episodes in. I mean, you know, not to get too far ahead here because I want to talk more about this group that has this plan that's going to be taking place next episode obviously but it's i think it's fairly obvious that luthan is working with small numbers and they're making themselves feel bigger than what they possibly are because right. you have a small group doing this here i mean if you look back on episode three when um you know our our, our mini uh, republic gunship when they tied that rock around it and when that crashed uh the scottish guy is just like we're surrounded, sir. You know, like we're outnumbered, you know? So they really weren't, they're not really like surrounded. A lot of the people in the village really weren't doing anything, but they're making themselves feel bigger than they are already. And it's kind of nonchalant actually. I mean, Luthan has to be pulling the strings here because then not long after this scene uh, where all the offices officers are meeting Andor and him land on this planet. And then they start going over this plan. So, so now was that a kyber crystal that he gave to Cassian Andor? And that's he doesn't necessarily say it's a kyber crystal, but he does mention the word. He does say the word kyber. Yeah, and this was kind of a big deal because he um, mentions the quadi sig that it's a quadi signet kyber something. I I can't remember the exact whatever but it, that the the quadi is an ancient merchant family that goes back to the planet quad which was the center of the core worlds in the knights of the old republic and he also mentions that it was a symbol of their uprising against the rakatans and that is going that is also from the knights of the old republic they were the original creators of hyperspace they conquered and ruled the galaxy until they were defeated by the old republic I wish there was Easter eggs and, you know, throwbacks in this show, though, you know, there's none. There's no Easter eggs. <laughs> I mean, there's no fan service. You, you, you won't have none. any fan service. Absolutely no fan service. Mm -hmm. I can't help but to keep bringing that up just because I, I don't think it has to be Easter eggs or fan service. It's just Star Wars. It's what right. it is. We are in the Star Wars universe. There's going to be things related to Star Wars. I mean, the, the callbacks are 
incredible in this show so far but they're just not in your face the the way they were on certain shows which is fine this is a different kind of show you know i was having this conversation at work uh yesterday and you know the guy was saying well it's just so slow you know and there's no cameos and all this stuff like that i said you do know there's 24 episodes right it's like what 24 episodes said yeah this isn't six or eight this is two seasons 12 episodes a season this is a long show we got a long way to go and he was like oh i I figured like whenever they do this job the show was over i was like no that's just this is one arc of a season yeah and this season i'm I, i can i already have the feeling that we're going to see you know multiple i think it's it's almost going to be clone Wars style the amount of arcs we're going to see in even just single seasons of of this show because i mean man i was hoping we were going to get what this episode is leading up to in the end but i i, I didn't know the runtime where i was on it so i was like are we going to see this this episode but um <clears throat> yeah so we we get to this planet he goes over his plan he names cassie and clem which is an interesting name. I don't know if uh, I never heard anybody named Clem in uh, in Star Wars before. Go ahead, Alfie. That's the name of his adopted father. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Marva and Clem. Yeah. And which what was it? Yeah, it was also interesting that Luthen knew that his father had been hung in the town square. I mean, he knows an awful lot about Cassian Andor. He really does. Yes. He must have just been following him. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that is crazy. So, see, this is this is where I need to learn all these characters name. It's just like Skarsgård. I keep calling him Skarsgård instead of Luthen. <laughs> and I need to stop doing that. I need to call him uh, Luthen because that's who he is in this, which damn, is he a great Star Wars character so far? Is he not playing an awesome role so far as as a guy in Star Wars? That little scene of him in his closet where he transforms into his character, that was, man, that's just acting right there. That's, you know, almost a lost form of acting that you don't see. When you put on a costume, that's the best and easiest way to transform into a new character. Like, so what he was doing was putting on his wig. He was putting on the rings. He was putting on the cape. And as you don all of that garb, you start to take on that other persona. And right. that's what you, you see him like right towards the end. He does that little walk and the head tilt to, yeah, to try to make him look like he was the, the collector again, like to, to put him back in the collector and to keep his front, what everybody knows him as at, on Coruscant. Yeah, which leads us to our best cameo, Coruscant. How incredible were the shots of that freaking planet when, they were, when he was pulling up to it? I thought it was incredible. <laughs> And just the way it already looks different, the the color coloring of the buildings looks so dull compared to the prequels. It, it you know it has that kind of cold empire look to it already. And visually, I mean, have I don't know maybe the ring world in the book of Boba Fett, Mando two and a half. I I don't, I don't think of any other shots off the top of my head that compare to Coruscant. I was just looking at her car because, again, we're about to where I'm at in the show. And the little Rolls Royce uh, speeder that she flew in on was smoking hot. It was a sexy looking speeder. Or I like the little, call it. 
revolving door going into the store. Like this is, you know, the uh, Beverly Hills of Coruscant or something. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I sit there and look at Mon Mothma's car and I'm like, is that CGI or is that like a real prop? And I love that this show has made me do that actually, where I'm just like, I don't know if they actually have like a half built vehicle because if it is CGI, which it most likely is, it looks damn good. I mean, the the production, the production in this so far really has been off the charts. I mean, we beat we've beaten the dead horse of Kenobi production, and I'm not gonna bring it up. I know, I know, but I'm just I'm not gonna very, bring it up. But I just brought it up. I did, I did. I'm I gonna know. keep bringing it up. They're too close in time. It's yeah, just they natural. Are, they really are too close in time. But I go back to what I've said in our text message, and I've said it on the podcast. I feel like Obi Wan was rushed. I feel like it got fast tracked, and they. I know that there's 13 years worth of back and back, but they they hadn't made the decision to do it, and then they make a decision to do it, and I feel like it got rushed, and then it got rushed into COVID. Whereas Andor was getting the slow development time, was getting it, and they took their time. COVID happened, but it didn't have as big of an impact because there was more development time prior. That's I'm, I'm going to go to my grave saying that. Yeah, I, I 100% believe by- with you because I know the story. You know, you had six, seven years of solid failed development on this story, and once Owen signed on, it was fast tracked, and they threw something together <laughs> as fast as they could to get six episodes where it was going to end with Ewan and Hayden Christensen fighting. Yes. And that's the biggest difference for me in this show is this does not feel like a vehicle to get something We're it's not pushing towards a predetermined end of yeah. Vader and Kenobi fighting. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny because this is a topic I had written down and honestly, I feel like it's a good time to just hit on it now real quick as we're like still hitting through the episode, but I had written on Twitter last night and I have it in my notes here that I think this is a show that people who are not hardcore Star Wars fans, people who just enjoy TV shows, you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything about Star Wars. You could turn this on and be four episodes in and be like, this is a damn good show. And, and not even, you could have not watched the prequels probably and still enjoy this show. In my opinion, do you guys agree with that in any type of way? Yeah, because there's no reliance whatsoever on knowing anybody really on this show. Even Cassian Andor, it's his you know name on the show, and is he really knowing who he is important to the story right now? I, I don't not, think not so. Totally, yeah. And and as you said too, uh, Alfie, like I think I don't know if it was in here or before the show, but the dialogue has been great, and it's like th- this is what I've wanted in a Star Wars show is that is that house of the dragon type level or game of thrones level of dialogue where you're, you're hanging on every word, even if it's just a simple conversation between two people. I agree. Which, this is, you know, game, like I said earlier, this is game of thrones style dialogue where it really feels like there are things happening in this story and really they're just talking. Yes. You know, go back and rewatch game of thrones and see how many episodes it takes to get to Rob Stark finally fighting the Lannister army, but it feels like for like five episodes that, that that's what's happening. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, that's why I was talking to one of my friends last night, and it's like I tried to get them to watch The Mandalorian a while ago because I have friends that will go see Star Wars in movie theaters but aren't fully dedicated to the shows. And I told him, I said, this is one that I think you should watch and you will not regret it so far. I'm like four episodes in, huge fan of this show. Write it down too because we still don't know where this thing is going. But as of right now, episode four, I am all in. Go ahead, Brent. I know exactly where it's going. It's going to Cassian Gunsmoke and one of his little friends going to- I love to the a, fact a, that you guys have picked up on the term gun smoking. Well, it's you, right? So he's going to gun smoke somebody in the back because the stormtroopers are coming for him. So he's got to hide out so he can go to Yavin 4 and meet with Mon Mothma. That's exactly where this is going. I know exactly yes. where this is going. But the showrunners are saying they know where this is going for Andor. Right. So we need to build extremely lovable characters around him that we are going to probably kill off and break your heart as this show goes on. I guarantee it. Okay. Who, who at this point are you going to kill off? Like, okay. So, cause I think I heard that, or I saw something like they have like the game of Thrones. No one's people are going to die and they don't really care about people dying. Who's going to die at this point. That's really going to break your heart. No his one. His mom, his friend, the girl Bix, his little red robot. So everybody back on the original planet. Yeah. Because no one in this, like, I haven't grown attached to this little rebel cell that they've got building on the on the Highlands planet. Yeah. Like, they're, I like them, but I haven't grown attached to them. I think my favorite one is the guy that came up in the uh, Mud Trooper outfit on Ewok speeder bike. Like, I really like him because obviously he's a turncoat. He's he's playing both sides. Um, and I like the fact that he rode up in a indoor speeder bike and was wearing the mud trooper uniform, yeah. putting two things that are not in the same timeline together. I yeah. think eventually you're going to see um, what is his name here? Karn, the security guy that got disgraced in this episode in Deidre hookup using what they know of where this started back on Cassian's planet and then working, going there and showing the wrath of the empire. Sorry. I was slightly distracted by my daughter. You're going to say, you say the guy that got slapped in the face by his mom mm -hmm. is going to, it's going to, I just wanted to bring that up. I don't know if you said it, but the guy who yeah. got slapped in his face with his mom is going to be the one that hooks up with the blondie. Yeah. She's going to go back to him because she's going to get nowhere. This is one thing I really liked in this episode too, is if you go back to the first episode, the uh, uh, security force, you know, think about how his superior said, leave it, drop it, all that. Then you go to the Imperials and her superior said almost the same thing, you know. So I think she'll use him as a way to get back, get the knowledge of where this started at. See, I thought you were going to go back to remember when you said that don't drop it because if you do, the Imperial is going to get involved. Right. And look what happened to all three of those guys. Mm -hmm. They're all three sitting in front of the Imperial. And he's like, you're going to go pick up your uniform. You're going to go pick up your weapons. You're going to go through here and we'll tell you where you're going to go. And they all became Imperials to which the older guy, you can kind of see on his face, he didn't like it. But then the guy got slapped in his face. He was like, you can tell that he's eating this up. And like, that was everything that he ever wanted. He is Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker movie right now. That guy to me, because he just seems like he's just sitting there, just blankly staring into the distance. Just like he looks like he's filled with anger and rage, even though when he spoke publicly, he was horrible. Um, 
you know, what, what, what do you think about his home? Like, you know, is he living in like, I don't know what, what area Coruscant is that? Is that like, cause you know, you had the neighbor like being nosy, nosy with them or whatever. I had seen someone post like, oh, you know, he looks like he grew up in some rich area of Coruscant. And then I took it the complete opposite way. Yeah. He went down. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it looks like he's actually probably was not that well off to grow up. Which you would uh, think that the landing pad would be at the top. But even if you think back to like uh, the prequels, you know, the, the, uh, higher ranking people their landing pads were up in the clouds and they still went up from there i just i just had to look this up too while you were talking and i'm happy i found it the commanding officer of karn is jan royce from freaking game of thrones right. if you remember him yeah from oh my God. the uh from the knights of the veil yes it's been driving me nuts who that guy right. is i hear i hear his voice like the way he right. talked I'm like, I know who this guy is. The Knights is. of the Veil do not align themselves <laughs> exactly with invaders. Yeah. He's in um he's in Braveheart and that stuff. Yeah, like just like just the side characters, the actors and actresses they're getting for these characters who only have a couple lines are like freaking great. Like that's why all the the meeting with all the officers, this little group at the camp. It's like even this the the smaller characters seems like they snagged good people for this. Yeah, show. Uh, the guy who played Kyburn, who's the head of the ISB. You know, if you yes. listen to that speech he gave, and you know, treating dissent as uh, a disease is a disease that, be, that we have to oh that we so can good. cure. So I mean, what's worse, turning Mandalore to glass or? you know, turning a race of people into subservient, you know, tools of the empire through. Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's some long term thinking right there. He's playing you a, know, the long game. Uh, oh, such a good like monologue though, too. Just such a good and evil monologue. So empire, like, Oh, just reeks of the empire. Major part part his name is in this show. And then you had Lieutenant Supervisor Blevin, who was the officer who was telling, um, who was telling, what's her name again? Deidre? I yeah. think so. He was the one who was telling Deidre, like, you know, this is my world, back off, you know. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought the interactions between them was great because she was just like, all right, I'll take it to the higher ups, you know. Well, it comes back to it came back and made me think about what I brought up the last time with the guy who got slapped in his face. I, I come up with nicknames for everybody. So I, you can go ahead and look up his name and tell me what his name is in the future, but to me, he will forever, he will forever be the guy who got slapped in his face by his mom. Cause I thought that was, I laughed out loud when she actually like backhanded him. Um, where was I going when I was talking about that? I was talking about um, shit. I just wanted to bring up the fact. That- <laughs> go ahead. I know I can't. I, there was something I was going to bring up with that, but I wanted to make sure that he was the guy that got slapped in his face. But I can't remember where I was going with that. And he still even had the weird look on his face, even after he was slapped. He was still just sitting there staring. You know, I I I totally agree with what Alfie said. I think he's linking up with Malfoy 
I'm going to call her Malfoy because she I like looks it. like she should be a Malfoy. <laughs> she Did does look that. like a Malfoy. She does. Did you notice I, a little bonsai tree in her office? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, it, it, uh, once you see it, it really sticks out with all that white, gray, and black as this little green tree sitting in the corner of her office. Oh, what I was talking about was ambition. That's what I was going to go back to. God, I can't. Like, he had a lot of ambition and it was like seen as evil. She's coming across as kind of getting a little too big for her britches and seeing things and trying to put things together and trying to get in more or less. That's what the, uh, the leader told her after they had the little argument in the spat about you stay in your spot. He's like, you have like, there's a promising career, but you're probably going to screw it up because of your ambition is the way that I interpreted that. Like, it's not exactly what he said, but yeah. And then he was just kind of like, Oh, like you made, you made some good arrests. Like those numbers were really good. Keep that up. You know, it's like pretty much just like, yeah, I'm happy with you and and whatever that role is like, you know, arresting people for whatever minor incidents, uh, just keep doing that. You know, thanks. I, I took it that way. I didn't, I almost took that as like a bit of a backhanded compliment from him. Right. But you know, this is one thing I've always loved about the empire. When you get into the ranks you're having a meeting with the ISB on Coruscant. So the head of Imperial intelligence and one of the guys, and you would assume probably most of the people at that table have no idea why construction shipments would be increased to Scarif. But thinking about it, you're like, well, probably that one guy does because he's on the next, he might be on the next level or, you know, it might be two guys above him that know, why those and they, you know the empire as you go up in rank and i know that would be anything really but there's just more and more secrets to you know what they're doing in the background you know the levels of their evil which is why i don't think he knows what's going on because of the level of secrecy and the like I, it's got to be three or four levels up like i don't think he would know i don't think he has access to know that there were increased he just knows that there's shipments going to scarif now all right, we got that information. We'll see where we'll track it next week when we have this briefing again, see what's going on and see. But like, I don't think he has any advanced knowledge. It's the way that I'm reading it. I think that that is like one of those higher up things, like higher, higher, higher up. Because again, it's the bureaucracy of the empire. There are levels of levels of levels. And their uniforms looked clean as hell too, didn't they? Like I, I thought the the costumes were excellent in that scene. I thought the hips looked even a little bit wider than they usually do sometimes on it. I don't know if it was just from the shots we were getting because I know Tarkin, well, they're pretty new. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're they're hot off the press. Uh, what's the name of that uniform company again? Oh my god, um, Cintas. Uniforce, yeah, Uniforce or Cintas. They just they just dropped off their fresh cleaned uniforms for them. We're upgrading. So. Not long after that, and we have to get to this, is Easter Egg Central. We have Mon Mothma show up. She shows up at our little museum, and Alfie is looking down at notes, I think, right now. Yeah. I, I was watching that scene, and I couldn't help but to think, I don't know what half of this crap is, and I can't wait to hear what it is when we record the podcast from Alfie. So what what... What kind of stuff do we have in this room? I mean, that scene was excellent. Seeing the interaction between, you know, him and 
Mon Mothma I thought was great. You know, she's being spied on. She has new drivers every day. She's definitely nervous, but she's doing a good job at putting a smile on her face when her driver is around. And we also have our secretary, too, who's working with him, which I think we might get to learn more about her in the future as well. So get into this scene, Alfie. What do we see here? Okay, right off the bat, he when he, he named this. Uh, that was the Utapon Monk Cajal. And that's a very rare, but that was an actual one. He says it's not a fake. Uh, sitting on the table in front of him is the Keldor breathing apparatus. Uh, looks just like Plo Koon's. Uh, we you see the Mandalorian armor. Uh, Twi'lek Kalakari looked like to me, and I posted some pictures of it. You could see the Wookiee helmet from Revenge of the Sith right there next to him. Uh, Jedi and Sith holocrons. Uh, there was three stone tablets that looked like the keystones that Ezra gets from the Lothal Wolves that lead to the world uh, between worlds. But this would have been before. But when they find that, if you remember, Vader's little apprentice guy says that that's not the first one they found, oh. that there are other ones. Um, let's see here. There's a Gungan shield. Damn, I didn't uh, see that. I gotta yep. watch that again. It's in the corner, obviously not activated, but it is it is there. Um Indiana Jones's whip is in carbonite. You had the Shankara stones from the Temple of Doom. Uh Kashik Clarion horn, that's a horn that was sitting right in front of him. And then um, the big one for me was the complete set of armor that was right behind him. And that looks with it a is. few little changes. That is the Sith Stalker uh, armor that Starkiller wears in the Force Unleashed. And not just the Force Unleashed, you, that is actually from the dark side ending of that game. If you choose to fight Vader instead of the emperor you end up wearing that armor that is his armor by the way i have compared those photos of it to multiple angles and yeah. everything the only difference is is those you know spikes i guess coming off the back of it which that could have been for display that, and he something. has that like uh kind of bib thing that uh captain rex has on his clone armor but yeah, you know, you throw that on there to kind of hide it a little bit. But, I mean, that's his armor right there, 100%. All right. Yeah, I mean, this scene is excellent. I mean, we go through our little Star Wars museum, basically, which, like, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in Star Wars where there's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, you have your shops of people selling their stuff and right. everything. But this was a very unique uh, situation I thought I thought he played the role of the salesman very well mm -hmm. I like the symbolism in the piece of art that he showed her you know the them being you know two faces of the same person exactly yeah I mean you you don't you don't really get much of what Mon Mothma's you know obviously we know who Mon Mothma is but maybe for that viewer who's being introduced to star Wars and might not know that much about her, you can tell already what's 
you know, she's obvious what side she is playing for. And I loved, I loved the shift. The two of them are laughing. They're talking, they get to the mm-hmm. back room. It's dead serious faces. This is what's going on. You know, the stakes are high and, and, you know, they're still able to put a smile on pretty well. And then she gets back to, uh, she's getting a, a gift for her husband for his birthday, <laughs> which, uh, you know, we get to meet him in it too. He he seems like he's uh, going to be an interesting character. What do you guys think of him? Now, I, here's my question because I don't, you know, maybe maybe this is me having a brain fart. I don't know any stories of Mon Mothma's husband. If I've seen them, they've left my brain. Has has he ever been talked about in Star Wars before? I think in the new canon, he has but I'm not hundred percent sure. I have not read all of the new canon novels. So what importance does he play? I, I, I can't answer that. I just know that he's inviting people that she's not a big fan of or not a big fan of her. Yes. So, so I don't the know people if he's doing that. that. He invites don't. over the fun people. Yeah. Don't know if that is to antagonize her or if that is to try to, build bridges where she doesn't feel like she needs to build bridges i don't know but she was not too pleased with his move uh, maneuver there no um our danger is one person that he mentioned or she mentions and he's from the tarkin novel and in fact is actually one of the uh i can't remember if they're called dignitaries at the end of re- or at in return of the jedi who get off the shuttle with imperial palpatine they're in like the funny like purple hats and they're in his throne room and then uh he also says that sly moore is coming over and if you remember you've seen her in episode two and three she was the pale bald uh woman that stood next to palpatine in the senate chambers yep yeah i saw someone uh on twitter today posted like these are the fun people that he's talking about. Right. And it was a picture of her and she was just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, this weird looking like alien. <laughs> and then uh, one more thing from this little conversation of this fun dinner party they're having, she mentions we should invite the Gormans and see what they think about because they just voted to blockade them or something like that. Yep. They um, are actually very important to Mon Mothma's story. They are the oppressed people who will be massacred by the Empire three years later. And that is when she speaks out um, about it over the hollow news. Is that what they call it in Rebels? Yeah. Mm. She makes the announcement, resigns, and formally declares for the rebellion. Interesting. Yeah, so so you can see there's even a divide uh, between her and her husband at home, you know, and I thought that was very interesting because he seems a bit pampered and it seems like Mon Mothma's like, you know, nice to him and takes care of him probably because she got, he's like, I heard you got me a birthday present, you know, like he's gonna, I guess he's gonna have a nice little fancy dinner for his birthday and stuff. Yeah. Dude looks like he's living the life, actually. It kind of mirrors a scene from a show that we are said we're not naming anymore. If you think about about back to uh, the Organas having their little dinner party. 
and Bale was trying to talk a little politics and the guy said, eh, yeah, that's for the Senate. I'm not here for that. I just wanted to drink your drinks and eat your food. Yep. Yeah, I hope uh, we get to see this dinner party too, by the way. I really do. Sounds I fun. Think, yeah, it, it, it's, it would be very interesting. I want to see, uh, I want to see Mon Mothma looking, looking her husband, you know, giving her, giving him the stink eye across the table because he had his little iPad with his table arrangements for everybody. He was getting it all planned out, which also like, man, there was a large use of like iPads in this episode too. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but a lot of, uh, a lot of like touchscreen stuff on tablets. I thought that was interesting. Data pads, sir. They're called data pads. Data pads. Data pads, not iPads. Sorry. But um, yeah, so after that, you know, we kind of go more into Andor and his uh his crew on on this planet that they're on, which is there a name for this planet they're on? Uh Aldari. It's, it's the name of the it's the name of the uh episode. Aldari is the planet that they're on. Aldari, okay. Or something like is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they uh they they have a little plan to do a little sabotage mission, and you know he's uh he's the last minute add on, and not everybody is a fan of it. Um, I really like I really like this little crew. Um, they seem like they're gonna be fun to watch because they're all pretty different. You know, it starts off with the one guy holding the gun to his head and was just like, "All right, you got us all killed." you need to tell her that you fell asleep during watch, you know, like they, they it seems like a fun, a fun little group here. Yeah. I like and that. They're Saw all Guerrero. posing as shepherds. And Saw Guerrero's name was dropped in the middle of that as well. That's no true. Service. But he's going to be in it, right? Saw's going to be in it at some point. He's Here's been in every form of Star Wars so far. So why not this one? So what I'm getting at, is I think they're going to die at some point and Cassian's going to be the only one getting away or whoever whoever's in the ship with Cassian. I feel like there's going to be some sacrifices to make sure that Cassian gets away with all of this cash. Well, I actually stopped watching the trailer for this National Geographic show because that base that they mapped out and they were showing that dam. That's a real life dam yeah. over there. So they they did this full, they did this all this stuff at this actual dam. You know, they showed it in the trailer for Andor where you can see someone rappelling down that dam. And that's what they showed in the Nat Geo preview. Um, but it, it's it, it's definitely going to be an interesting plan because there's this you know, once every three year event that happens where the stars align in the sky and there's an eye that opens and they have this plan linked up to happen exactly when that eye is going to open. So everyone's going to be distracted. And, you know, Cassian, they gave him, you know, a uh, data pad and told him he needs to memorize, you know, this language or whatever by tomorrow. And he's just kind of like, can I eat my food here? You know, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I did like I, that. Can I finish eating first? Yeah. I, I enjoyed the fact that it felt like it was exactly like Pasana or whatever from the Rise of Skywalker, 
they're like, yeah, there's this festival where thousands of people come and worship at this temple. And all my brain went to is like, seriously, like just like the, every 43 years, there's a, there's a celebration of color on Pasana. There's just, that's where my brain went when I heard him talk about that celebration. I went there too. I pictured Ray dancing uh, with everybody. Yep. My mind went there, but yeah. So, I mean, I went there too, but however, they have structured their whole plan around this event. So it's just not that they happen to show up at that exact day. Right, right, right. And they land the ship in such a way that they they can't see or hear anything until they walk around one rock. Yep. Right. They have no idea that this zero celebration, this celebration took place. But no, um, I like the fact that it seems like, yes, there's like seven or eight people and they all have their own role uh, from this like cell. So there's the, the guy that was falling asleep seems to be like the astrophysicist navigator. The, the blonde chick is the leader going through the, um, the one guy, the bigger guy is, looks like he's more of the muscle and more of like the, um, anyways, it looks like they all have kind of their, their role. And there's a reason why these seven were put together. Right. To, Th- this to mirror the- rogue one and, you know, being structured after like, you know, a great world war two heist movie. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of the one you, I think isn't Jim Brown in it. Uh, and, uh, never mind. I can't remember the name of the movie, but yeah, where they blow up the bridge and, uh, infiltrate the Nazi party to kill somebody something like that. But yeah, it kind of the magnificent seven kind of deal, you know, it's what we're setting up here. And yeah, you know, somebody's going to die. I feel like a couple people are going to die though. I just feel like there's going to be, there's got to make it, to make but, the, re, to make the rebellion seem real and to get the attention of the empire, there's going to have to be some sort of, there's going to have to be a sacrifice somewhere. I think there will be a sacrifice, but I don't think there'll be that many that die because this is going to be the, you know, casting stepping stone to getting another job. You did such a good job at this. Let's do this. Right. But what we've talked about before, and this is coming from your words, Skarsgård and see, this is my thing is I'm going to call him Skarsgård because he still hasn't turned into that character yet for me. He's looking to get Andor. I don't think he cares. He cares about the money and he cares about Andor at this point he has put this group together and put them on the planet to run the mission. But at this point, I think he cares about two things. Andor can finish the job and I want the money because he was asking Mothma for money and making sure that Mothma could have money. And it's not the same money, but it's about the same value of money. I mean, it's about the same quantity of money that he's wanting from Mothma. Yeah. It's a very interesting uh, look into, you know, I've, I've gotten into reading about it before, you know, who financed the Revolutionary War? You know, it's something you never think about. Who, it, who does finance the rebellion? Who, where do they get their ships, their equipment, their, their food? Uh, I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, Skarsgård here is, I, I like to call him Jerry from, because that was like Goodwill Hunting, I think he was Jerry. I could, I, every time I see him, I picture Robin Williams. No more. No more tomfoolery, yeah. no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't really have any toiletries on his ship. He had a, a sink, I think, and poor Cassian had to shave with a knife. A vibroblade, not a knife, a vibroblade. 
But everything was hidden, right? Everything was behind, like, to keep up the illusion. Yeah, wouldn't he have told him, hey, you hit this switch, you know, nice medicine cabinet pops out. No. (laughs) Shaving cream, some blades. No, No, because then then he would know what his, then he would know the other face. He needs him to only know this face. He doesn't want him to see all the other stuff to know that that guy is me because he wants that plausible deniability that it might be him. It kind of sounds like him. It kind of looks like him, but that's not him. Like not, I don't, he has curly hair. Right. Like you get what I'm saying though. Like, I, think I get what you're saying. He doesn't want him to see it because he's a, like, he's got to keep up the charade and just like Cassian, what part of his downfall in episode one, two, and three was the fact that too many people knew who he was. So Cassian Ander slips with his vibroblade and, cuts an artery and dies trying to shave <laughs> but he still doesn't know your true identity because you didn't correct. reveal your oh, secret medicine cabinet correct yeah he could have even just had one of those razors that like the high school teacher would give you you know like at least at my school we had the catholic school they gave you like a two-blade razor if yeah. you had any type of facial yeah. hair so, just like a know. Uh, wrestling practice we had the same thing yeah yes yeah. you could have given him a razor you know but have a have a little travel kit right there. It's a lot yeah. more badass to see him shave his face with a knife, though. I guess so. It is pretty badass. I'll give you that. So, are there any are there any uh, points like I kind of just drifted through everything? Are there any points that I missed out on um, in this episode? Really, because it ends it ends us on that cliffhanger. I mean, that's why I was sitting there like, man, are we really about to get this mission in this episode? Like. Great runtime on this episode, by the way. 50-minute episode. This is what I want. I just wish we had... This is what drives me nuts about Star Wars shows. Every week, I'm just like, what's the runtime on it? You know, is it go- is it going to be a 37-minute episode? Is it going to be a 50-minute episode? You know, I, I, like, I like a 50-minute, hour-long episode. And I, this show is capable of keeping your attention for an hour. So, I mean, I, I, I started ranting there, but go ahead. I think this show is interesting enough to keep your attention for a full day. Mm-hmm. This, to me, seems like a series that when this is all over and it's all released, I'm going to watch the whole stinking thing mm-hmm. beginning to end. I, I mean, that ep- s- go ahead, Brent. I just want to say I told you guys so. I just, wa- I just wanted to say it. I, I, I know. Hey, I'll eat my crow. I, I thought it was going to be good too, but I mean, I'm I'm a Rogue One fan, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. This is like, this was the first time in a long time, even the Kenobi finale. I keep saying that Kenobi word, even though I did just buy the figure of Kenobi this nice. week. Sorry, sorry, Brent. I had to get some figure. Uh, gotta go. You gotta there. talk toy. You know that there's been almost about four episodes without toy talk. It's been amazing. I need to do a I need to do a full toy talk episode because there's a lot of toy talk that I want to do. But I mean, it's I all Lego this... talk, though. Well, okay. you know, there there was Lego news this week too, by the way. So don't let me forget to announce that. Go ahead, Alfie. I know we mainly talk figures here, and I hate to get <laughs> off topic, but that's what we do. We're talking toys. I know this micro squadron thing just came out, and it. To me, I'm waiting on to all go on clearance because it is so much of it out. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
Have you seen the Hot Wheels uh, spaceships? No, I have not. They are not nearly as big. And I, I apologize for bringing this up without being able to show you one. They are half the price. And I just recently bought a Boba Fett Starship and the Razor Crest. And for the price, they are very detailed and look really, really good. That's a, I, I only have one here. Did I knock something over here? I only have one, uh, and it's just the... Um, they're the bigger U-ing. than... They're, they're a different line than that. Yeah, they so come in a black do. cube. Okay, I've seen the X-wing they do in that series. Then, yeah, those are awesome. Yeah, I've I've I have picked up our micro machines or whatever they're called and looked at them in the store, and I'm just like, all right, baby, go on sale. And I think a lot of Star Wars collectors are thinking the same. Yes, thing. they're picking those up and saying like, eh, this will be on sale in a couple months. Yeah, that be- Falcon is beautiful. Yeah, it's so detailed. It looks gorgeous, but it's not worth fifty-five, sixty dollars. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think it's similar to and Brent. We will keep this short. It's um, this will be a quick toy talk. But I think it's similar to what I I've seen with Lego. Lego took a two hundred dollar UCS land speeder and raised the price forty dollars due to inflation. So you you go from two hundred to two forty. 200 sounds okay. 240 sounds like, what the hell am I doing? I, I know 200 is still a lot of money, but you know, they just released, um, Lego just announced the UCS um, Razor Crest this week. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yes. 6,187 pieces or something along those lines. $600 for the Lego UCS uh, gunship, which price point wise, uh, if you ever look at Lego prices, Lego's average 10 cents a piece. If you have a set that's around 2000 pieces and it's around, you know, $200 or whatever, it's like, you know, it's usually a 10 cent a piece thing. Uh, that kind of goes on par. Star Wars doesn't always do that. Sometimes with Star Wars, you can have a 250 piece set that costs $35 or the set you sent me with Vader and Kenobi battling each other on a flat square you know platform for 50 or $60. <laughs> hey it's not just that so that's tala and ned i'm sorry you're gonna get the tala minifig and the ned minifig who by the way is smaller than the the ned fig is smaller than the tala fig if it, i remember seeing it correctly it's still comparable to you know uh, the minecraft set which i can't even remember the price of it was but it was a like use your imagination Minecraft set. I looked at it. I'm like, this is just generic Lego pieces. Yep, <laughs> There's not yep. even anything to build. You're supposed to use your imagination, which I get. I get it. That's kind of <laughs> what you do in Minecraft, but still you're paying the premium Lego price for it to have the Minecraft name on it when it's just the generic bucket of Legos. Yes. That, that Kenobi versus Vader platform, there is a feature on it where you slide something and the middle opens and there are flames that come up, which like the way they built that feature into it is cool. But when you look at it is literally just a square plateau with two figures looking at each other. It has a cement mixer that shoots out uh, yeah, a couple orange bricks for more fire. <laughs> that, that's that, honestly, 
I'm, you know what? I made a TikTok on World of the Galaxy podcast actually like trashing that set when it came out. And I never do that to Lego, really. Yeah. I'm never just like, I, I'm, I'm usually like okay with Lego. Like, if I see something I don't like, I'm like, whatever, I won't buy it. It doesn't really bother me that much. I saw that and I'm just like, come on, like, this is Kenobi Invader and you're going to release a square, uh, you know, a, a gray block with the two of them staring at each other. It was the dumbest set I've ever seen. Honestly. Yeah, I just happened to, to see it in the it. aisle and I was like, yeah. okay, this is kind of cool. Was this like 20 bucks or something? $50 for this? There's not even anything to build. I felt guilty to buy this. I, I saw it and I'm like, I want that. But I'm like, I've been very critical of the Kenobi show over the last couple months now. I enjoyed that while I was watching it. And as time has settled for me on that show, it's just. It's just the point that I keep making about these shows. They are enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. I like them. But I. Don't you know, they're just so forgettable. You watch it and then it's over. Like it's going to be, though. That's what I like about Andor. It doesn't seem like it's going to be forgettable. I know what you mean when you say that. Yeah, there's nothing in that series that I'm will probably ever rewatch other than Kenobi versus Vader. The book of Boba Fett, the thing I'm probably ever going to rewatch is, you know, the Mando bros going at it. That, that was, was the awesome. best part of it. That was yeah. the best part of it. I yep. agree. I mean, that's that's where it is right now. And I mean. As far as shows go for me right now, I would have never projected that. I I knew that all these shows were going to be going on around the same time for me. And I never would have projected that it would be House of the Dragon and or for me right now. As far as my enjoyment of each show goes, I thought it would automatically be Rings of Power, House of Dragon, you know, and or somewhere in there. But no, and or is right up. I'm really enjoying it so far. You're missing one of the key ones that's out right now also. And that's She-Hulk. Come on, guys. I haven't watched it at all. I haven't watched a single episode. I, I stopped watching Marvel series uh, quite a while ago. My daughter's into it. That's about the only thing. She actually really enjoys it because she looked at me right before we started and because I had uh, Andor playing in the background and she saw the She-Hulk and I was like, no, it's out tomorrow. Oh, wait, no, today is Thursday. The new episode did drop today and she got like, oh. But yeah, yeah. so like she actually is enjoying watching it. So, I mean, I... I I was being facetious when I said that, yeah. but no, like it's, it, yeah, you're missing it's nothing one. No, against I, them. Don't take that as a negative. Me saying oh, no. that it's just, um, I just, they weren't for me. I, I just right. don't like that format. All right. So here's the, here's the deal. I think we did go over everything like DDoc said, but the one thing that I kind of want to go is, all right, let's, let's, let's project forward and speculate. My favorite thing, right? My favorite thing is that we can speculate, but we just don't buy into our hype, hype. right? I hype, just, hype, hype, hype. I just, you don't buy into it, right? You can speculate, but no, because then people like, that's what I hate the most. This is me hyping though. I just went on a hype rant a couple minutes ago and I love the hype. Yeah. I love it. But it's like buying it, but buying your own, Brian, what you sell is just, there's something wrong about that. Yeah. Well, I hyped the first three episodes of Rings of Power and then episode four and five, I've been slamming my head against the table watching them. So. I know how it feels to have hype let down, but maybe that's just me. But uh, are you so are we are we predicting uh, what's going to happen here? Yeah. So are we going to get the episode? heist? Are we going to get the heist next episode? It would appear that way. They, I mean, they only have three days till it happens, right? 
Is that where we're going to see the clone troopers? No, I think the clone troopers will be in a second set of flashbacks. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I really hope this next episode starts off, shows the Andor logo, and then just goes right into them just like doing this mission. Like no messing around, no dialogue, nothing. Literally starts with this mission. You know, I think it'd be really good if they gave us like a little brief uh, lead up introduction with with some words and some text to set the stage for it. I Maybe don't think shows a sweeping theme playing behind the text. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened before in Star Wars, has it? No. This is what happens. I, <laughs> I don't know if you heard banging around, but I had a lightsaber hilt stuck to my freaking rolling chair. I kept hitting the desk. So sorry if you guys heard that. But yeah, I mean, I hope we I hope this starts off directly with the heist. And I'm I'm excited to see where where this heist is going to go. I hope the whole crew escapes. Um, I like the, the, the weird kid with the FUD cap on. He seems interesting. I who, want made more the, of him. who made the model? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a weird guy. <laughs> you can tell he's like, hold on. I, I want to show it. I made this year. <laughs> he went full Doc Brown on that. You know, sorry, it's not to scale and I didn't get to paint it, but <laughs> He and the actor for him has been in a lot of other stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, Imitation Game. Or he was in that movie, The Last Duel. Oh. One thing I want to bring up before we get uh, we end it, and I'm sorry to to cut you off like that because I, it was one thing we're talking about this heist in the whole time frame. Did you notice that when the lieutenant pulled up on a speeder bike? he mentions that there is a big Imperial engineer arriving from Coruscant. Yes. Huh. Galen Erso is coming, huh? No, it can't be him because there's no cameos. But it's not a cameo because he's part of Rogue One, so it's not yeah. a cameo. I mean, yeah, that's immediately who I thought. Could it be Dan er or Galen Erso? Could it be uh, Krennic? Krennic was an engineer? Well, he was the head of them. Uh, you're it's right. the like Empire because he, he worked because he worked with Galen, so Galen yeah. worked with him. It's the Empire. You pretty much say what you want yourself to be. I'd like to believe there would be peace between Star Wars fans on Twitter right now if he never said that there was not going to be any cameos or Easter eggs or whatever <laughs> in this show. I because... get what he means, and he, what, it's all in he... good fun. Me saying it. And I, what he means is you're not going to get Luke. You're not going to get Vader. You're not going to get legacy characters. You're not going to get R2. You're going to get but the every story that everyone makes. Except Luke would make sense for them to be in the background of this. Yes. They said, and they also said there's over 200 named characters, right? So like in their, in their sizzle reel for the first season, when they were shooting it back, when they released this in 2020, and I go back to it all the time, there are... 200 characters that they had to make costuming for so there is a, and we've probably already seen about 30 and i i agree with you brent and i don't count like luke being in the mandalorian season two is not a cameo to me because the entire season built up to a jedi and there is only one jedi in the galaxy that it could have been well cad bane so cad bane and mando 
Is that a is that a cameo? I would say yes, but no, because you're dealing with Boba Fett and the underworld. So it makes sense that he would be there. I, I, I honestly go to that. I think he doesn't think like what he means by that. There's like no Death Star. There's no big name that's going to show up. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no there's no Je- there's no Obi-Wan. There's no Jedi. This is Cassian's story and how a rebellion is built. Oh, I, it's I not. Go ahead. I believe the Death Star will show up in this series. Maybe in season two, but I don't think it'll be season one. I like the nugget that they're kind of that breadcrumb that they left saying that there's the increase in Scarif, which I, yeah, I, I think I heard that season one. That would be awesome. Are we going to land a shuttle on the Death Star? No. Are the uh, guys in the Imperial prison, you know, engineers and scientists Ooh, about- who are working on uh, tech for the Death Star? Yes. And they were talking about the prison too, like your little barefooted prison. They were talking about you, uh, homegirl, um, the ambitious girl, Deidre. She would like, I think that's her prison that that they're going to go to eventually. Do you think we're going to, there's a part of me that thinks that we're not going to see this heist for another episode. Like, I almost feel like we're going to get like another Andor flashback or what I would like to see would be, and or flash like kind of like what they did with obi-wan and the fight um obi-wan and hayden when they they juxtaposed their battle and their training session with what was actually going on so i'd like to see like Andor going through this mission but also having flashbacks to something that clem and I his could, mother i could see it starting like dead set right in the middle of the heist when you know the shit's going down and then right before somebody dies we flash back and we go back to the beginning i, th- I could see that happening i mean <clears throat> there had there was not a single flashback last episode so we're due we're due for it yeah I well there's only what was the first two the first two the third one i don't think ha- did the third one have flashbacks because I think the third one was yes. just them fighting. It did have some flashbacks in it. Third one had flashbacks oh, when right. he was flying off out on the ship, and it was showing him looking out the window, and that showed little little Andor looking out the window in a yeah, similar right. way. You're Which right. the the freaking the ship that little Andor is on reminds me so much of the ship from um, just the interior, not the exterior of it at all, but just the way the seats are remind me so much of the uh, Jedi Fallen Order game. Yeah, with the two seats, the two cockpit seats. Yes. Yeah. Every time I see a setup like that now, my mind goes into that game that I'm traveling to another planet. Basically. The Mantis. The Mantis. Yeah. The Mantis was an awesome ship, too. Yeah, I liked it. So. All right, guys. Well, th- that that pretty much uh, that pretty much hit it all. I mean, we hit we hit this episode. I'm I'm very excited for episode five here show has me sucked in i'm ready to go do you guys want to hit any final thoughts before we close it down no i just uh i enjoy the star wars i enjoy all of the star wars and i mean yeah andor was what i thought it was going to be i'm so far haven't been let down who knows there's still nine eight episodes left to let me down but so far i haven't been let down it's not going to. I have 100% faith in this show. Tony Gilroy has my faith. Tony Gilroy's rising the ranks for me right now. Yeah, he's, he, 
at this point, he's right up there with Filoni and Favreau. I know. I know. He's, I, I, I really don't feel like there's going to be many letdowns in this show. I mean, we're four episodes in, and this show is freaking awesome so far, in my opinion. Go, go ahead, Alfie. Yeah, I, I'm like he's it's just an amazing show i can't wait to see more of it and you know it's got me i was thinking today because i i pulled up i googled the cast list for this and it's got the guy listed as playing k2so and to think that eventually he's going to show up probably in the second season that he was he was one of my favorite characters from rogue one and i can't wait to see more of him yep i agree but i don't think he's i that was one of the ones that they were talking about not being in. Now they did I first think season, said, right? Right, first season. He's definitely not in there. I think he's already voicing a character in this, and we just don't know it. But that's he, just he, me. He actually might be voicing the little red robot, little Wally. I think um, he is. No, he's not. No, is I can't give you the name of the guy, but he did uh, a lot of work with BB-8 and different. Um, things in the sequel trilogy and he's also the voice of the computer on Luthan's ship mm. yeah because yeah, he's had like one sentence like it like i was he talking to andor because they he said something to cassian the ship did and then they cut right back to the argument that Luthan was having with the leader of the rebel cell Yep. So you don't yeah. know if Cassian continued the conversation with him to see actually what the hell they were talking about. Yep. Yeah. I think he kind of at him. said something along the lines of don't touch anything. <laughs> something like that. But yeah, it is pretty cool that his ship has a built in droid. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I We missed on that. That is awesome. Um, it, it was funny too because I saw an interview with Diego Luga, and we're going a little bit longer here, but whatever. I saw an interview with Diego Luga where they said, you know, what what like legacy Star Wars character would you like to, you know, could you imagine Cassie and Andor being friends with or whatever? And he immediately said one of the droids, you know, C three PO, R two, you know, whoever. He said most likely a droid, and it's it is funny that Andor is kind of like a droid guy. He's friends with droids. I don't know. You know, he's got attachment issues. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, yeah, because he got stolen from his yeah. family. And I'm sure that little red Wally was the only thing that kept him company. Um, and he felt a kinship to him. So, and it would be awesome if they took his voice out and put him into Kate's So that would be an awesome little nugget. I would love it. So that wraps uh, that wraps chapter 168 of Rule the Galaxy podcast. I mean, we hit on Andor. We're excited for the next uh, episode. I'm not sure if next week if Jess is hosting or not. I know Nick has been busy. Nick will be back. Um, Joe is obviously on his trip enjoying himself. So, you know, shout out to Joe. I think you're probably still listening in Italy. I'm not totally sure on that, but um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be hitting Andor. I'm not sure us three need to organize another rule of the galaxy after dark and talk house of the dragon. Um, maybe we'll wait, maybe we'll do like a three episode review, you know, not, not this week coming up after, you know, two weeks from now, maybe we'll do another little wrap up of it. So I that's mean, it for <laughs> kids jumping out windows. That's all I have to say. <laughs> 
yeah yeah if you're watching house of the dragon you'll understand what brent's talking about so that's it for chapter 168 you can find us on rule the galaxy sw on twitter you can email us at rule the galaxy at gmail.com you can find us on tiktok at rule the galaxy podcast you can find us on instagram at rule the galaxy podcast and that's pretty much the spiel did i miss any brent no i think you got them all did you get email the Etsy twitter shop? and you did can you get- find our gear on our etsy shop did anybody by the way send in for alfie points last week i don't know we don't have the email joe has the email yeah joe has the email not us <laughs> joe probably has emails for uh alfie points that he probably does not know about alfie so. points yeah the hell are these <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Joe, if you see anything about Alfie points, uh, let us know because we talked about giving away a T-shirt. So, yes, from D Doc, from Brent, from Alfie, thank you very much for listening, and may the force be with you. <laughs>